back to The Socialist Shelf, the podcast that cares about good fiction and changing the world. It's me, Jacob, here with Joss. Good evening. Good evening, everybody. Um, or morning, or whenever you're listening to this. Um, or some, you know, liminal space in between, if you're in that world from uh, the three-body problem. Um, listen, I've got, you know, kind of a um, a personal anecdote to open this episode up with. Later. Um, so... And uh, yeah, here in 2019, in 2019, the spring of 2019, uh, I came down with the flu, like a really, I mean, just unbelievably bad case of the flu. Um, and for whatever reason, it caused, you know, all kinds of stomach problems. Um, and uh, the some way it was like interacting with my throat and stuff. Uh, the stomach acid would like literally like give me acid reflux to the point it would cause my throat to partially close up uh, to where I could felt like I couldn't breathe. This is happening while I have the flu. So like I go to the emergency room, I'm in and out of the doctor emergency room. They're testing. They didn't even realize it was the flu because they're like looking for symptoms of like an allergic reaction or something for weeks, for weeks. I am wiped out. I mean, like genuinely for weeks, I- I'm in bed getting over this flu. I lose like 15 pounds um it's it's a really just terrible experience the whole time i have a lot of trouble breathing like i genuinely think my the doctor says he's never seen worse acid reflux in any person because it was like you know an unnatural thing that my esophagus was literally partially hardened and cracked and gotten red um from this acid reflux like it it was that bad um and, and from like just the flu and all that stuff i mean like it did a number on me and for literally like over a year afterwards I would have like night terrors waking up thinking I couldn't breathe because I got to the point of thinking I was going to die. I'd say all this to say, I would rather go through that again than reread this book. Oh uh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. This yeah. book was worse. Yeah. I have a, I have a similar, um, I have a similar medical medical experience um, re- related to my, uh, to my mammoth uh, uh, procedure that, uh, yeah, I feel similarly about because, Oh, this one is dire. I mean, holy. Okay. You've seen it from the title. We're talking about The President is Missing by James Patterson and the one, the only President Bill Clinton, former yes. President Bill Clinton. Yes. Butcher of Yugoslavia, champion of mass incarceration, personal beneficiary of slave labor in the Arkansas governor's mansion, and perhaps worst of all, husband of Hillary Clinton. Uh, and writer of this book. Like this book is like up there with his crimes. In like, a I, parts I, writer, we should yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, no, no, definitely not. Like, definitely not doing like the legwork here. But nevertheless, like morally responsible, I will hold him morally responsible for this book along with James Patterson. Um, James Patterson, though, um, you know, I've actually never read a book by him. I certainly never read a book by Bill Clinton before. Uh, I don't didn't know much about him aside from you know you just see him everywhere and just like bookstores just like you know very much like an airplane novel type of guy and i think joss might have some background on it yeah yeah you know and you're you're not kidding about um about you know seeing him everywhere like literally just just by virtue of um of sheer volume of books moved well we'll get into that we'll get into that so james patterson um another living author we're kind of on a streak here aren't we uh, yeah, he's born July. Well, Kurt July. Vonnegut's not living. Uh, oh, that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll we'll rack him up. 
Um, yeah, why did I say uh, I will tra- I'll trade Bill Clinton for Kurt Vonnegut. God, but anyway, go, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, so, go ahead. 22nd March 1947 is the day he was born. I don't know why I said July. Uh, he's still alive and uh, writing, shall we say, at 76. Uh, he lives in Lake Worth Beach in Palm Beach County, Florida. His mother was a teacher. His father was an insurance broker. And he went to Manhattan College. He graduated summa cum laude from that with a bachelor's in English, not unlike uh, not unlike you and I. Uh, unlike you and I, he got his master's then at uh, Vanderbilt. Uh, <laughs> And he published his first book um, not long after that. He published his first book, The Thomas Berryman Number, in 1976. Mm. So at the time, he's almost 30. Uh, He's writing on the side of his day job at that point, which was he was working in advertising. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of a hobby for him right right then. He writes seven more standalone thrillers, so not unlike the the territory that uh, early Crichton occupies, right? Uh, Between then and about 1996, when he retires from advertising. And during this time, he also starts his most famous series. Um, people might uh, know him best from Alex Cross, which mm-hmm. is a series of mystery thrillers about uh, the titular. Uh, he's both a DC police detective and an FBI agent. And that particular series began with Along Came a Spider in 1993. Um, there's this kind of uh, uh, nursery rhyme theme uh, that he goes with for the for a while, you know, there's Along Came a Spider, there's Kiss the Girls, there's Mary Mary, and then the twelfth book is just called uh, Cross or Alex Cross. Um, so he kind of abandons that. And it's still going. The most recent book is last year's Triple Cross. It's the 30th in the series. Mm, wow. It's, so it's still going. I didn't realize that was all part of that series. It's still going. It's still wow. going. No, absolutely. You know, I guess Alex, you find a thing that works. Yeah, no, it's and uh, you know for a given I mean you know I I've never read uh, Alex Cross. It could be it could be fantastic for all I know. But you know we have a frame of reference that might seem to suggest otherwise. My my spouse so, really likes Maximum Ride. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He, that's he, a, he that's like a those, kids yeah. or YA series that he wrote. Yeah, he's he's written for adults. He's written for children. He's written fiction, nonfiction. He's kind of all over, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, indeed, his career has quite frankly exploded since um since then. Now, he, as I said, he, he retired from his um, advertising job in 1996, and from then he pivoted to writing full-time. And it looks to be, um, I was trolling through his bibliography here, it looks to be around 2002 that he starts uh, co-authoring many of his books. Now, he credits these people as co-authors, really, they're ghostwriters. Other thriller writers like Andrew Gross, Peter DeYoung, and Maxine Pietro, or Petro, who uh, the last of whom he knew from his advertising career. Um, Gross in particular, this this I found interesting, started collaborating with him on the second book of the Women's Murder Club series. Mm. And the head of the publishing house that got them in contact introduced Gross to Patterson this way. He sent Patterson one of Gross's manuscripts. Written on the cover was, this guy does women well. So, oh. you know, that's, that's uh, that half of the equation where that comes from. Um, gotcha. And, you know, to, you know, credit where it's due, or, you know, to be fair, Patterson self-identifies as a plot guy, as an outline guy, rather than a crafting sentence after sentence guy, you know, his yeah, words. Yeah, I can tell. But standalones and collabs together, he's had a hand in over 200 novels since wow. 1976. 114 I mean, of them were New York Times bestsellers. He holds the record for most New York Times bestsellers by a single author. And to to uh, to wow. return to um, and, did you say 114? 114, yes. He's everywhere. And to return I to, return it was to big, what you said. Oh yeah, yeah. And to return to your point about that, right? Um 
One in every 17 hardcovers sold in the United States. 6% of all American hardcovers. James Patterson novel. <laughs> he I mean, sold, yeah, you can't throw a rock without hitting a fucking Patterson book. That's results. Yeah. You gotta hand him that. He's sold 305 million copies of his works worldwide. Um, it's more than Stephen King, more than John Grisham, more than Dan Brown combined recently. Wow. Yeah, big names, and this guy's even bigger. He's the first author to have two, two number ones on the New York Times adult and children's bestseller list at the same time. Wow. I mean, I just keep saying wow, but I don't even know what else to say. It's it's a it's a it's a scale that you and I, frankly, I I have difficulty comprehending it. You yeah, know? it's yeah, it's just like num the numbers are like when numbers get that big, they almost like cease to like mean anything. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, yes. They certainly do have meaning, but it's just like it you just like when you're like distinct when you're talking the hundreds of millions on anything, it's like oh yeah. Well, I mean, imagine imagine your average hardcover book, right? Hardcover five hundred page book. Fix that in your mind. Are you seeing it? Mm -hmm. I see it now. Imagine three hundred and five million of those. Um, yeah, yes. yeah, it's gonna, I'm gonna need more room. That's for sure. So yeah, he had success in the advertising field and honestly it shows because he's been labeled more of a brand. He's been criticized as more of a content mill than as an right. artist who develops his craft. Sure, sure. Um, you know, he's, he's set up scholarships and engaged in various forms of philanthropy as you know, any, any wildly successful person does. Uh, he set up a site called Read Kiddo Read to catalog uh, book recommendations for teachers, for children. I glanced at it. The interface is kind of ass, and many of the books are his, so make of it what you will. Yeah. Um, Stephen King, this is this is pretty funny. There's a clip of him on Colbert where he claims facetiously that James Patterson only needs like six hours for a draft. <laughs> it's kind of a there's kind of a friendly well i don't know how friendly rivalry between them the king describes patterson as a terrible writer but very successful i mean yeah again working with one book i, I can see that yeah yeah now and you know patterson you know to his credit takes it in good stride i mean how can you how can you not take it in good stride when you're as successful as he is you yeah know? like you can't why why would you get mad about anything if yeah you're, if you're kind of, much money these things kind of roll off um, so all that to say in May, 2017, it was announced he would be collaborating with Bill Clinton on a thriller, which is this book. And he boasted a level of detail that only a former U S president can offer. Do you buy that? Uh, no, not at all. Not, not remotely. There's nothing, there's nothing in this book that, that like, I didn't buy it going into it, but there's like, I mean, like, yeah, there's definitely like moments in this book. I'm like, that does sound like an anecdotal, but it, no, there's not like, wow, I never would have thought it worked like that, like at any point. Like, well, there's no like, there's no detail that I feel that way about. Well, and you know, like, who gives a shit if it's not compelling? But again, we'll get into that. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So or, or um, even if it like, yeah, I, I didn't feel like there, there was there's nothing in this book that feels like, oh, wow, you really needed a president's perspective to pull that off. Or like, this couldn't have just been made up by some guy. Um, and I get like, there are certain things the president can't like disclose, but then it's like, okay, so what's the like value add of the book? Exactly. Uh, exactly. Not a lot. Shall we, shall we get into, uh, Mr. Clinton? Bill Clinton. Yes, I have got this. I mean, people know Bill Clinton. Um, hard not to know the first Democrat since, uh, FDR to fully serve two terms. Uh, he was the first Democrat since FDR to do that. That's, I didn't even, when I read that, I was like, is that true? It is true. It's crazy. Um, but um, no, Bill Clinton, um, you know, well, well known, but we'll go over him. 
1946. The and, and you know to get into the the mindset of a, a guy like this, capable of 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 doing the acts he's done. Child of a single mother, uh, she was a nurse, but raised by his grandparents who worked as uh, as grocers, and then later on um, raised by his stepfather who uh, ran a car dealership, was a sort of a a slick salesman type and was, uh, you know, reportedly pretty abusive. Uh, Bill Clinton said himself that he got in multiple like fist fights with his stepfather, but his stepfather also told him, taught him how to make sales. Um, Did he to, win? Yeah. Yeah. Exa- uh, that's a good question. Um, he went to a, a Catholic school for a while. Um, and then he was interested later on in music and medicine. He was deciding, do I want to go into music? You know, the old, the old saxophone, or do I want to go into medicine? And then he decides, and he says this is an autobiography, that he realized he would not be the best at music and he could not be the best at medicine. He said, I didn't want to be a professional musician if I couldn't be the next John Coltrane. Basically, like, and he said the same thing with the doctors. Like, if I'm not going to be the best in my field, then I don't want it. So he said, what's the one thing that I could be better than everyone at? And it's it's, it's what he calls in his book, statescraft, you know, politics. Um, so that, you know, insight into this, like, uh, deeply insecure from the get-go, like, mind, despite all of this. So, yeah, went to Georgetown um, and then on to Oxford as a Rhodes Scholar. Um, he had this whole debacle where he did not want to be in the military uh, during Vietnam, and he uh, sort of tried this conscientious objector angle, but then – like sort of hedged it by saying, oh, I'll serve if called. It's it's a little unclear. There's controversy around the actual details, but he found a way not to end up going uh, one way or another. Uh, Yale Law after that, where he met Hillary Clinton. Um, and, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton, you know, there's, uh, there's debates how much uh, input she actually you know, had, but it, it was a very big amount. When I say there's input into like his political career, people debate, did she do 70% of it or a hundred percent of it? Like, like Hillary is definitely like the brains of the two. There's like no doubt. Um, oh, yeah, 100%. She, she, she's driving. There's an old joke that says, uh, that says they're driving through Arkansas, the two of them. And then Hillary sees, she says, Oh, that's my old boyfriend pumping gas. Uh, and then Bill says, wow, I can't imagine. Like, imagine if you'd married him, then you'd be the wife of, of, uh, wife of a gas clerk and she said no i'd still be the wife of the president you'd be pumping gas it's kind of you know <laughs> and, and there's there's some truth to that though bill definitely has his own set of skills um governor of arkansas um in the 1970s before that is this uh, attorney general of arkansas you know a governor of arkansas in 1979 1981 again in 83 and 19 to 1992 becomes the president in 1993 after a uh, pretty crazy upset primary win and a pretty crazy upset against uh, Bush Sr., who coming out of Desert Storm was looking really pretty, but made some pretty cl- critical errors. And as we know, served as president till 2001. Bill Clinton was famous for what he called third way politics. He says, I'm not left. I'm not right. I'm center. What that meant some was he was right. Third thing. Yeah, yes. Secret third thing as means like further right. Like, Indeed. it always does in American politics, uh, economically at the very least. 
Um, for Bill, uh, there's a lot of ways to put this. Bill Clinton really, to me, represents the nail in the coffin for any sort of like Keynesian strain in the Democratic Party. Any like idea that we're going to bring, they were going to bring back FDR or bring back even like Lyndon B. Johnson type of Great Society or New Deal spending programs, that they were going to do Keynesianism, that they were going to have this like partnership with labor that was in any way meaningful. The, the concept that that could be brought back, though like pretty much dead since Jimmy Carter, the idea that American politics had any direction but like neoliberalism is is crushed into the dirt by by Bill Clinton and like beyond beyond all recall. Like there's just no conception like he he really any part of the party that dissented from that was ob- obliterated by Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton is also I feel like uh not I don't feel like I know he won over a lot of what like, you know, the moderates, the the Reagan Bush one voters who then didn't want to vote for Bush for a second term. Um, he was able to do that and he bring together this very bizarre coalition. But this coalition that the Democrats have really tried to recapture a lot. Um, but yeah, like I didn't just mention some of his, uh, let's say, uh, accomplishments, you know, NAFTA, which like, uh, you know, terrible for jobs, terrible for everyone involved except the billionaires uh sex scandals galore you know the guy the guy was visited by epstein in the white house 17 times mm-hmm. uh, and flew on his plane at least 26 personal friend of the guy and that's on top of accusations that's on top of, of course like the Lewinsky scandal so there's a whole lot going on with this signing guy. signing into law the um you know notoriously the 1994 crime bill which greatly yes, omnibus crime bill Yes, yes, which greatly expanded the um, the range of uh, crimes, which um, which would uh, secure you the death penalty and you know other other um, you know other 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 particular particularly high punishments. It's, I can't remember this, restrictions yes. on new restrictions on voting rights as well. Yes, uh, and I, I can't remember I can't remember if it was um, if it was him or Biden who said this at the time, but uh, it was boasted that uh, the bill um, the bill gave you gave you uh, death for anything but jaywalking. Um, you know, facetiously, yeah. of course, but you know that uh, comparison doesn't fall out of the sky. You know, it's yeah. with him that you really see a massive uh, increase in the in federal subsidies to uh, state and local police departments for drug arrests, for example. You know, mass massive expansion of the uh, war on drugs in the carceral state in general. You know, if you've read if you've read uh, Shackled and Chained, if you've read the New Jim Crow, you know, it tells all about this stuff. Absolutely, uh, like you said, butcher of Yugoslavia. Um, you know. 1999, the the bombing, the in NATO intervention in Yugoslavia, horrific. A lot of his interventions, um, I mean, as always is, but Yugoslavia is, you know, a really uh, particularly disgusting incident. Um, of course, really set up the Iraq War. You know, everyone kind of knew it was in the it was in the workings, but with his like really intense sanctions that by his own mission led to and the he signed of- in, and he signed into law. Lest we forget, I believe it was in 1998, right? The um the act of Congress that uh, officially shifted our policy toward regime change in Iraq. Yes. So that's what mm. that's what Bush was working from. You know, Bush pulled the trigger, but uh, but uh, Clinton uh, primed it, so to speak. The uh, interestingly enough, despite how much this book moans about uh, the media being so bad. Uh, he's responsible for deregulating telecom companies and lowering the barrier of entry for calling yourself news and journalism. Um, so you can just basically allowing uh, organizations to straight up lie. And now in this book, he's like, whatever happened to good old honest journalism? Uh, well, you happened, Bill. You happened. Um, uh, and in and, and number of numerous things that we could go into the, you know, uh, don't ask, don't tell all, all manner of things, of course, very famous for his uh 
very famous for his impeachment that he got away with. Uh, and, um, not, don't really even need to go into that. Uh, everybody sort of knows that story. Um, and, and since, since being president, he's, uh, He's sort of been a Democratic Party mainstay, you know, pushed for Hillary, of course, very hard in both her both her campaigns, 2008 and 2016, of course, to uh, uh, negative effects, uh, ran the Clinton Foundation, which has its own just all its dirty laundry, plenty of that to speak of, um, you know, between it's like the the stuff it's done with Haiti and like, I mean, you can really get into it. Pretty nasty stuff. Um you know, continuously involved with some really like skeezy individuals. Um, and, um, but, you know, he just kind of hangs around and uh, he gets to be on the ground floor of things. He was big into crypto like a few years ago and made a lot of money on it and then was nowhere to be found when everything started collapsing a few oh, months ago. Invest in Billcoin. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. And the thing is, Bill, he's, he's good at making money because the dude has, the dude has made a ton of money and like, he did bring himself up from, if not nothing, then, you know, lower class roots to, you know, the heights of power. Um, but of course, his life story shows you how to do that. Uh, it, the way you go from that lower sort of class to this upper class, uh, you have to live the life of someone like Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a few who are willing to do that um, for good reason, because there's just few humans who can do some of the things he's done. But uh, and, 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 and chief among his crimes. Um, his contributions to the president is missing. <laughs> yes, yeah, good perhaps, God. Perhaps the keystone to his uh, to his sordid, sordid life. And apparently, a sequel that I will not read. Like, oh come on! My, oh, gun to my head, maybe. But come uh, on, hey, hey, the president's deal. daughter. You, yeah, you know what? This is a, this is another book where I'll say, okay, if you read it. I'll read another Left Behind. I don't know that we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Uh, but I, I can't imagine that him write a whole book of these two writing a woman is, Oh my God. I can't even imagine. Uh, uh yes. Lord yes. Almighty. Cause, cause again, you know, we, we have mentioned one person who is, uh, who is purportedly good at writing women in this podcast so far. And it is neither of these men. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. Um, but we can get into this book. Um, sh- if, if we dare, and before we get into it, I'll just say, like your typical Patterson fair, very successful, you know, yeah, sold yeah, a lot. Yeah. Um, and I'll, and I'll say, um, as we, as we, as we, uh, as we round the corner into the book itself, uh, I was looking up, uh, Patterson's, uh, influences that he, uh, that he cites purportedly anyway. Um, so in a 2009 episode of all things considered on NPR, he cited, uh, postmodern books like the Sotweed factor by John Barth, uh, Jean Genet's Our Lady of the Flowers, uh, a French novel which Sartre described as an epic of masturbation, mm-hmm. uh, transgressive, existentialist, explicitly homosexual, um, n- words which I would not use to describe the president as missing, but, you know, <laughs> nevertheless... It would be more interesting much, if it was. It would be more interesting if it was, yes, you know, and that's one I want to track down and read. Uh, also cited is Thomas McGuane's 92 in the Shade as an influence, and um, if... Patterson is talking about the first sentence, which is nobody knows from sea to shining sea why we are having all this trouble with our republic. Maybe he has a point. Mm-hmm. So, but he claims as his greatest influence a 1959 novel by Evan S. Connell called Mrs. Bridge, which is about a uh, white middle class woman who doesn't really have a lot going on with her life. Um, 
American society is is uh, changing and roiling all around her, and she uh, prefers not to grapple with it. You know, she reacts viscerally to um, to uh, her son using the servant's entrance of her house, for example, because she's forced to think about class. Um, specifically, he appreciated this book for its short chapters, compactness, and clarity. Right. But, you know, again, speaking from, uh, you know, a position of ignorance, you know, I think we can I think we can see a little bit of that uh, um, out of touchness in our uh, in our protagonist as well. Now, and final note, as I said earlier, Patterson does more outlining than writing. Um, There's a Mm -hmm. digital humanities scholar, James O'Sullivan. You, Jacob, actually mentioned him to me. Yeah has done analyses it's a really good analysis yeah yeah patterson of patterson's books yes he's concluded that generally it's not him doing the writing but for this one except for a bit in the beginning a bit at the end some of the rising action where clinton is contributing the prose for this one it's all patterson so yeah the clinton prose stands out too you can kind of pick it out yes yes Um, so so have that in mind lecturing (laughs) Yes. So, so I don't know. Um, I will say Bill Clinton's writings before this, Mm -hmm. um, you know, mostly memoir kind of stuff. Um, He's written uh, back to work between hope and history, giving how each of us can change the world and my life, the Clinton autobiography. But there's one more that gets passed over. In fact, it's not even on his Wikipedia page, um, which is a grave oversight. He also wrote the tweetable bill clinton quips quotes and other um and other something oh other one-liners was um, this and, before or after 2016 2021 ah okay so he knew this was marketable by that time but he got in a little bit late to that yes it's a it's a five dollar book because it's just 500 life-changing zingers and quotes from your favorite ex-president oh boy um oh. and it's like a bobblehead of him on the front but he's credited as the writer of it um and I, it blew my mind because I saw it and I was like, this can't be real. And it says, let Bill Clinton inspire you daily. And I'm like, man, I can't think of anything I'd like less. I really uh, can't. The, uh, the the coffee table book of coffee table books, truly. Truly. I, it's almost as good as I found a, um, um, I'll have to show it to you sometime, a, a coloring book of Joe Biden, but it's all sexy Joe Biden. I'm not <laughs> kidding. Uh, and it actually, money actually went to the Biden campaign from it. Um, what is what is this what is this 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 cottage industry of like like i don't think it started with pride and prejudice and zombies you know but like uh-huh. it's 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 historical figures it's fictional characters it's like politicians in like you know bizarrely bizarrely like um like almost trying too hard like cool scenarios like there's one i think it's called hope rides alone or something where it's biden and obama that are like super spies yeah it's 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 like that or like they the campaign really tried to lean into it with like the sunglasses and like it's like man it's it's fine like be lame just do good things be like the lamest guy you know but of course they can't give us that but uh yeah no sexy biden i i it it is one of the funniest things you'll ever see but uh so yeah that's a that can go right next to the tweetable bill clinton but anyway would you uh, say it can pokemon go right next to tweetable clinton um, I wouldn't say that, but that's why I'm not the one writing tweetable Bill Clinton. That's why I'm not making the big bucks four ninety nine at a time. Um, at the time, at the time in 2021 dollars, who knows what it'll be. Yeah. It's adding, it adds up. It adds up. Um, because he really needed the money from that. Wow. Okay. Uh, let's get into this novel. Um, and honestly, like despite being like a fairly long book, um, 
And despite apparently having like all this input from an ex-president, it's not particularly interesting plot wise. It's honestly pretty by the numbers as far as like these sort of action thrillers go. Um, it's, it's pretty standard fare. You've got your main character who is the president. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's about to be unfairly impeached. It really opens up. It opens up with what you think is an impeachment hearing. And it turns out it's just the president practicing for an impeachment hearing. Um, well, and, you know, and right everybody's you know. and everybody is, uh, being so mean to him, to president Jonathan Lincoln Duncan, um, and all he ever did was try to protect his country. Um, uh, it would have been uh, if if it honestly, I would have respected this book more if it had leaned into full fictionalization, autobiographical. Like that would have been funnier. Um, but there is something the, it, the the character of Jonathan Duncan to me screams like this deep insecurity in like Clinton because it is like. The president is a superhuman. Like the president is the coolest guy in the entire world in this yeah. book. And like that is like I feel like if if Bill Clinton is helping with the outline of this book and 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 the fact that it opens with the impeachment definitely screams that to me. It's the president who's being unfairly impeached, who actually did nothing wrong, who's actually a good guy, but he is a hardliner. And also he played professional baseball and actually he came from nothing, but also he went to law school and he was in Desert Storm and he was the only guy in Desert Storm to get tortured, but to not uh, betray the country. And also he has like this disease and it's, it makes him so weak and sad, but not really because he can actually fight off assassins when he needs to. And also like, uh, you know, he's got the best relationship ever with his family, but he's so troubled, but not in a way that affects him at all. And really, he's just got the best policies on everything. And uh, real Clintonism has never been tried. Yeah, uh, I, I was yeah. I was surprised that um you know the the blood disease that he has doesn't really uh doesn't really play as much of a role in it as uh it just as we thought. added fake tension. Yeah, yeah, you know, like and and again, you know, you have the power fantasy aspect of it. You also, I mean, you know, it wouldn't be written if Patterson is an advertiser by trade. You know, right? He, it wouldn't be written if he didn't think there were a market for it. So you know, um oh, there's a market for it, no doubt. Exactly. I, I got and it from the library. I didn't spend a dime on this thing, but there's oh, yeah, a market no, for thing. it. No, it's it's and you know if if I can credit if I can credit this book at least partially with anything, it's uh it's reawakened me to the um to the wonder of uh, of uh, your local library. Like cause Oh I'm yeah. A, yeah. Yeah, you know, I hadn't I hadn't set foot in the library in quite a while. And um, Libby is great too if you want that. Yes, right on yes absolutely. Download that people. Yeah. Um we're yeah, not so, getting sponsored by Libby, but we would take a sponsorship from Libby. Wouldn't take a sponsorship from many people, but if the Library System of America wants to sponsor us, we will. I we'll do take it for it. free, you know. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no, pay us. Yeah, so yeah, I I, I, I I can't speak to the purpose of this novel per se, one way or another. But you know, it's it fulfills a very specific niche, right? Yes. A vision of what the office of American president ought to be. Yes, it's like West Wing watchers. Ordinarily respected. Yes, exactly. It's very, it's very Sorkin-esque. You know, mm-hmm. we, you know, we of course are socialists. We do not respect this office. We believe in its abolition, even within this idealized universe. You know, because even within this idealized universe, you know, this president is an action hero who faces down gunmen with you know steely, flinty determination through all manner of of um, of uh, tr- personal trials. And he's also, as we'll see, exactly the arch chancellor of empire that the real president is. You know, he's, as you say, Clinton with this unrepentant military background, you know. Yeah, Clinton and baseball. 
Uh, the baseball yes. is a funny addition that barely, again, not important, but it's just there because he's the coolest guy ever. But yes. no, you're exactly right. Even within, even within this, like, like if we accept the premise of this book, he's still a bad guy. That's the funny thing. Like, even within this world, it, within this like fantasy universe he's created where he does feel bad for the drone strikes, he still does the drone strikes. Yes. yes. <laughs> Literally, I'm not making that up. It sounds like something I would parody. Like I would say as a parody of a liberal writing a book, y'all, I'm not kidding. It has a scene where he feels guilty about doing a drone strike because it'll kill children. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. That's we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to it. I'm oh. sorry. I'm, I'm hopping around here. I'm, I'm, uh, Josh, why don't you, uh, oh, why don't yes. you take us to some plot here? No, I'm, you know, you're, 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 you're you know, frenetic no, here. no apology is necessary, you know, cause you know, this, this is awakening, uh, you know, this is awakening feelings in front of us in, in, within us that we're still uh, struggling to parse and comprehend. Just truly. Didn't even, yeah. um, so let's get into the why of his impending impeachment. So mm-hmm. this he was too good of a president. So for, yeah, <laughs> well, we'll see. Right. Cause yeah. so right from the jump, right. The geopolitics of this are really weird. Um, there's this guy, Solomon Chindorik. And he is mm-hmm. a Turkish terrorist who is uh, fighting Western influence in the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. And Duncan, Jonathan Lincoln Duncan, President Duncan stands accused of sending American forces to save Chindorik. So we're like, OK, is he an American asset? Um, and what he's saving Chindorik from is this pro-Ukrainian anti-Russian militia. Um, and remember, <laughs> this, this was written after 2014, by the way, after the after the coup that uh, the United States sponsored. In but before country. the before the uh, war. Yes, certainly before not. the invasion, certainly. Um, now it's it's he he introduces a whole lot of characters here. Um, I took notes on them, and I really shouldn't have bothered because half of them don't really show up again. Yeah. Um, the nice yes. thing about reading this on an uh, uh, ebook was being able to search the names of the characters in other places when I needed to, because like I didn't remember half these people. A godsend, truly. Like mm-hmm. like if there's if there is one advantage that ebooks have over the genuine article, you know, not that one will ever supplant the other, you know. But um, yes, so Solomon Chindorik is a what the book terms a secular extreme nationalist. So you know, Duncan takes great care to nip the um, you know the uh, Islamophobia in the bud. Of course, you know he. Yeah, Bill Clinton would never. Yeah, yeah, you know exactly. Um, you know he. You know, again, does he preside over a regime that has materially a similar devastating impact on the uh, Muslim world? You know, whether, you know, no matter how he describes it, yes, you know, but again, that's not the point. The point is that the president um, has been uh, revealed to have used uh, an American uh, special forces team to bail out Chindorik from this attempted assassination. Um, Le Monde, the French newspaper, has leaked details of a phone call between Duncan and Chindorik. So that's uh, that's what he's under fire for. Um, so it goes into that. It's he he rehearses the impeachment um, and he's really again. This is where it gets into the um, this is where it gets into some of my uh, quote unquote favorite um, um, elements of, of this book. Right. Because he I think it's very clear that there's certain lines that um that Patterson started with and then kind of worked backward to construct the scene around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Cause in, in one of the first few chapters, when, when he's wrapping up the, uh, the impeachment practice, um, I'm paraphrasing here. It says something along the lines of, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't concerned about uh, Monday's impeachment. He was concerned about whether there would be a country by Monday, Ooh. you know, just, 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 yes. Just the most, uh, the most, uh, the most spooky stuff, truly. Uh, yeah. Another example of how we could make this better. It'd be really funny if that was like, it wasn't like there was a threat. He's just really paranoid. 
<laughs> I, I when I read it, I was like, it'd be really funny if this guy thought that like every every day. He was like, well, I'm not worried about that. And to agree, <laughs> um, that's actually kind of true. Yeah, you know, as yeah. we'll as we'll as we'll get into. Um, so yes, there's this impeachment rehearsal. Um, and then we get into chapter three. And chapter three introduces we've had like a dozen named characters by this point. And chapter three introduces Bach. Uh-huh. This, Everyone's favorite character. Yes, this sexy redheaded assassin who has a pet gun named Anna Magdalena. And mm-hmm. she's called Bach. Like that's her code name because you know she really she likes, likes Bach. She likes classical music, yeah. Yes, yes. And she listens to it while she's uh, embarking on her um on her uh, assassination missions, which she's uh, the best at. She's um she's implied to be from some um from some war-torn uh, Balkan country. She's she's specifically she's half Bosnian. Um, again, not really important right now, not really important in general to the, uh, to the story as it happens. I also just an example of like, we were joking about the writing women. I like right off the bat. It's like, she's like, I can't be noticed, but then it says she's intentionally being memorable. It literally says she's talking about how she cannot be noticed getting off this plane. But then she says literally a paragraph after that, it says, the men try for eye contact, checking the cleavage she's made sure to reveal, allowing just enough bounce in her girls to make it memorable. Why would that doesn't make sense? Like it just said she wasn't trying to be memorable. And mm. again, later on, it says again, one paragraph later, like three sentences, she will be memorable. No doubt. The tall, leggy, busty redhead hiding in plain sight. Like it said twice, I don't want to be noticed. And then twice, I'm trying to be memorable. No doubt because they they like couldn't stop like they were trying to write a woman and they're like their brains short short uh short circuited like it's it really is it's it's pretty sad i'm not yeah. gonna lie it's, yeah you know it's rough you can and make, that's, that's that's the first page she appears on you can make some arguments about hiding in plain sight but you know <laughs> it's, i mean it, it's just like in the her whole girls thing. truly yeah, yeah great great stuff y'all top, so, top top tier i said his staff wasn't too important there is a character that uh that does recur and her name is carolyn brock mm. and um initially i i Hillary thought of her Clinton. yes you know initially i thought of her as like aoc but more cynical but she's because she's described as like this progressive politician that uh scored this uh upset against this uh this uh um this long time um um uh, this long, this long time uh, f- uh, fixture in uh, her local politics, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Very successful at climbing, but ultimately her uh, her career was cut short when uh, she was caught on a hot mic calling a political opponent a cocksucker. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and then from then on, you know, she's always the bridesmaid, never the bride, right? Mm-hmm. And so she's she's discussing she's discussing at this point um, damage control, basically for uh, for the upcoming um, for the upcoming impeachment, right? She's discussing um legislation that they can uh, that they can float to sort of um uh, take the oxygen out of the room and she's like okay you know we'll fight we'll fight back against this uh, political po- opponent of ours uh, senate major senate minority leader uh, Lawrence Gordon um mm-hmm. uh basically no he's sorry he's not um he's not part of the republicans he's part of the democrats but he's a conservative democrat essentially he's joe manchin by a different name yeah um, and he's like, and she's like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll float a minimum wage or we'll float an assault weapons ban. We make Gordon come to us, ask us to sit on them. And then he owes us. Right. So you know, it's, it's right off the bat. It's the, it's the ridiculous, like, uh, like, like 
West Wing, like, uh, influence peddling, you know? Like, okay, we'll make this particular sacrifice right away instead of pushing for uh, our stated agenda um, with all the executive power that we have. And that's why we can't do things. Oh, it's yeah. Because, well, because of that. Well, you know, and it's, and it's, 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 this book really hasn't aged well because, you know, we've seen the result of that sort of politics, you know, trying to appease the most, um, you know, trying to appease the most conservative member of your party. So, you know, quote unquote, they owe you later. Who's proof positive that this is nonsense? Kirsten Cinema, mm-hmm. who, who left the Democratic Party and went independent to build her own brand. You know, presumably she owes Dems for their uh, abject refusal to pressure her on the eviction moratorium or the minimum wage, you know, anything that matters to working class Americans. But, you know, they they're doing they're, they're doing this. They're discussing um, uh, promulgating their agenda in this way because, uh Again, this this particular line that uh, I feel like was percolating in um, Patterson's head. It's the right thing to do and win or lose. We'll be strong and they'll be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah that's ahead. sort of that sort of reasoning is fine if you're trying to draw people into a political project to build institutional power, to overthrow it. Even these people already have institutional power, you know, getting caught doing the right thing means attempting to do the right thing, you know, not waiting mm-hmm. until some some force of nature sabotage when you're the president it's just very sad to be saying that i don't know yeah and and then it gets into like after that then he's got more politicking to do with newt gingrich i mean lester rhodes um it, with what what's his name he, it's lester rhodes right the, the lester rhodes the speaker who, of the um, house it's like newt gingrich basically like and you know credit where it's due i i there was there was a kind of evocative um element to his uh to his speech i i imagined i imagined him as um I mean, I imagine him as, um, 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 uh, well, you know what? No, not, this is, this wasn't particularly intelligent of, uh, Patterson because, you know, his, his characters were just such, such, um, naked expies of, of existing people. What's his name? Um, Mitch McConnell. Fucking right. Turtle dude. Yes. This is Mitch McConnell. Mm-hmm. Well, um, the reason I say Gingrich is just because that's the guy that was impeaching Clinton in this exact same role. But like McConnell works sure, just as for well. Sure. Yes. It's, it's that type. It's the con- conservative leader who doesn't actually believe it. And everyone knows he doesn't actually believe it. Um, and, and, and in this, like, in like in the universe of this book, there's like a moral, there's like, you get like some kind of moral karmic points for like calling them on it basically. Yes. Like, um, but and the president is like the cool guy for calling him out on it. But like, nevertheless, yeah, he's just like, yeah, like, I don't care about national security. I don't care about whatever. And he's like, I have, you know, I have my agenda. You have yours. I'm going to keep impeaching you even if it kills everyone, which like fair enough. There's yeah, that's not that's not a thing that they wouldn't do necessarily. But, um, you know, like like you're saying, this isn't um, uh, it. it doesn't say a lot about our society you know and by the way by the way it should be noted i don't think um i don't have the text right in front of me to to control f i don't think the word republican or democrat either word i don't think appears in the text at all i don't recall that either the 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 you know the conservative um, and liberal right and left those appear yeah, but, you know, and there's there's yeah. like dog there's like dog whistles about you know um poli- about various political uh, stances and various like personalities and whatnot, you know. So you can you can read between the lines, 
but you know it's it's you get a sense of it trying to be above it all right above that kind of divide like oh can't we just can't we just get along you know it's and it's much more than about the 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 um the personalities involved than the um than the actual politics or any sort of any sort of like analysis of their class position but anyway and like just to note that like 2018 is so late to be writing a can't we all just get along mm-hmm. like not that it's ever been smart but like really like after trump you're still writing you're still writing this like sob this sob story like oh we're gonna have common sense middle ground like no it's over dude it never existed but like it's never been more over than it is right now yes yes uh so so to move forward um he has a secret meeting the president does with uh with his his uh primary um opponents um, the uh, House Minority Leader uh, Lester Rhodes, mm-hmm. and he confides in Lester Rhodes, "Look, you know, I was trying to capture Chindorik from uh, Ukrainians that were trying to kill him, because I have a hunch, and this hunch is that Chindorik knows about this cyber attack that uh, took place recently in uh, Toronto. We think it's practice for something bigger." Mm-hmm. Um, and he offers his political enemy the speaker job for life if he'll back down from his um, from his um, um, sort of sort of witch hunt. I think he actually uses the term witch hunt. Yes, he does. Yes, and of course, you know, Rhodes Rhodes uh, shoots him down. You know, it's it's this it's this team of rivals tendency that um, that Duncan has. You know, because he's he's he he's appoints he appoints political uh, political rivals to um, to positions of power. Yeah, vice presidency and his chief of staff, notably. Yeah, yeah, his his secretary is a Republican. His um his chief of staff. I mean, essentially, you know, he's, if he's meant to be, I mean, the analogy here is if, uh, well, not if the analogy here is Barack Obama making, um, Clinton, his, uh, his, uh, secretary of state. Well, that, and also just Bill Clinton as presidency, the concept of the third way. Yes. Uh, that very much is at play here too, but yeah, Mm -hmm. that, that the team of rivals is absolutely is the, the, uh, the vice president being the political opponent um, in the primary that should have won, basically, um, like that, that is that couldn't be more clear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A more clear reference. And her not actually being the bad guy. Also a pretty clear point. Yeah, it's there's I don't want to get into the like chapter by chapter of it because there's a lot of setup in the first like we don't have to get into to everything. I, I'm not. Yeah. You don't have to. I don't think we have to feel compelled to go through like every bit of detail here, because mm-hmm. um, a lot of it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't really pay off or like really mean anything. I think it's like really like oh we want to talk about this and oh yeah drone strikes that's the thing and oh yeah media we should talk about that. Um, we should throw in this. Oh also the president is sad about his dead wife. Let's throw mm-hmm. in that. And it's like oh and and then like we were saying he has a health condition that's important that's in the first few chapters. Um, and we mentioned that already, but he has. What is it? It's it's a it's a blood condition, basically. Oh, I wrote it down. Immune thrombocytopenia. Yes. So he's dealing with that. Um, and it basically means that, like, if he gets, like, hurt, uh, it could be really bad. He, like, bruises very easily, um, only very recently. And also he, uh, like, you know, is feeling very weak. And so what he needs is, like, a blood infusion or in some kind of treatment, but he's just staving that off with steroids because now is just simply not the time. And should we just go ahead and get into why now is simply not the time? Like, cause we've kind of danced around at this terrorist attack. We want yes. To- yes. And I will, I'll note as well. Um, and we don't have to reveal everything in the order the book reveals it. I don't think right. that's really that necessary. 
Well, it's chapter five, I'll note, um, just as one more aside, um, where it mentions that uh, his hematologist, um, whose name is not important, uh, fled apartheid South Africa to uh, take the job that, he, that she took, um, which, you know, notably, the United States supported that regime right up until it was uh, until it was no longer politically expedient to. You yeah, know, it's 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 this tendency that this book has to stumble ass first into um, into things that the United States directly had a hand in exacerbating. <laughs> the Saudi Arabia thing, especially notable, though. We'll oh, get we into should that. talk about the Saudi Arabia thing like fucking. um so in the chapter 10 actually does a lot of heavy lifting in the um, geopolitics of it all. We meet our CIA director, Erica Beatty, um, a who uh, who was captured by the by the by the Stasi in uh, in East Germany and tortured at one point and uh, mm-hmm. rose to her uh, career from that. Um, the um, we get the um, we get a little bit of uh, what the United States is up to in, um, in Latin America. It's there's, it's mentioned that, um, that there's this uh, fascist in uh, Honduras that uh, we don't necessarily like, but oh, we got to support him because we've caught wind of, uh, oh boy, Russians are trying to install a puppet in Honduras. Those Russians and their meddling. Yes. Yes. You know, how dare they uh, overthrow our fascists? Yes. Um, it's, it's this ludicrous mentality that the book traffics in, you know, where instead of acknowledging the unique political economy of America's imperialism or, you know, considering that states act in their respective interests, one assumes all countries to be acted on by the United States and its rivals, mm-hmm. you know, who in this conception of the world are equally threatening. You know, the greater of all evils, if American exceptionalists want to pretend nuance, you know, it's it's you see this thinking on display when countries in Africa decide they like trading with China better than with the United States. Right. And instead of any kind of introspection about the relative benefits of one other our pundits and our officials pretend to be concerned oh you know this this uh this other country is uh, trapping the uh these these african countries who don't know the danger that they're putting themselves in you know it's it's i like i like to call it modern day geocentrism right you know that 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 everything revolves around america right um and and and, and the not- the last notable thing geopolitically here is that there was a transition of power inside saudi arabia um, and it's led to a bit of a power struggle. There's a new king now, um, but he's got like some like rivals in his family who may be up to no good, and indeed are up to no good. Yes, uh, yes but notably new... not the people we back, just the just the splinters group. Yes, which, like, a new notably... guy who is, of course, obviously Mohammed bin Salman. Yeah, and 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 notably, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if it's supposed to be a direct callback, but it feels like a callback. This like Saudi splinter group that we have quote unquote, nothing to do with being, you know, this like relationship to things like nine 11 or whatever. Mm. Um, it, it like, it, there's definitely like a, there's definitely like a nine 11, like vibe to like this attack, this terror attack in this book, not just because all terror attacks kind of have to be held up to that standard, but also the idea of it being this Saudi group that like, yeah, maybe we've trafficked with in the past, but we didn't actually work with these guys particularly, um, so, you know, you can't think if you think too hard about our role in it. Yeah, maybe that we should have, like, been more careful. But, like, uh, we didn't specifically order this. So it's uh, it, it feels it, it, it's like weird because, like, you could almost call it a stand in. But, like, you can't say they weren't thinking about 9-11 because, like, you can't not think about 9-11 when you talk about a Saudi terror attack. Like, it's right. Uh, it's-, it, it's a very weird it's a very weird line it walks. And to speak of the terror attack specifically, it is, uh, and we touched on it, it's going to be this massive cyber attack that they called codenamed Dark Ages. Um, Ooh. And it's it's going to knock them back to the Dark Ages, baby. I mean, it really is. 
it's just this, this super duper computer virus that they really can't do anything about. The nation's infrastructure can't hold up against it. And it's going to do everything. It's going to delete all the money. It's going to wipe everything, destroy the internet. It's going to do all the things. It's going to send the United States plummeting um, into the dark ages. Uh, potentially any number of things uh, could come out of that. Um, so it's a... Uh, it's 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 a big deal. Lots of people will die. It's going to be very 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 bad. And um, the president has knows his team has no capacity to stop this thing. Um, they just they can't. No matter what they do, they can't figure out how to stop it. Uh, there's only one hope here. Only one hope of stopping it, and that is a mysterious message passed on to him by his daughter, uh, who says code name dark. Who says code name dark ages, which means two things. One. Uh, there's someone who's trying to help them stop this thing or, or is interested in meeting with the president. And two, the president has someone who betrayed him in his inner circle because only eight people knew codenamed Dark Ages. So the fact that it got out meant some, it got out to someone else. And those people that got out to are named Nina and Augie, right? It's Augie? Is that it? Is, is that right? It is Augie. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, and they're basically former terrorists who are like angry, uh, at the u.s for doing war crimes um and uh they uh but they decided they didn't want to like lead to the deaths of hundreds of millions of people and so they're like doing this last minute defection but they're very you know uh for understandable reason pretty uh nervous about about pulling this whole thing yes yes and um and so the president to this end has this uh secret meeting with the person who has um has passed him um, passed him the uh, code word through his daughter. Um, this person named. Well, before um, he does that, though, he has to get a disguise and spend some time with his supermodel or actress friend, who's not really relevant to the plot. Except uh, this was while so he's, weird. While he's with her, it notes she's on the list of sexiest women alive. She's his wife's former best friend, or not? I mean, his wife's dead. His dead wife's best friend, and she mentions multiple times, and he mentions so multiple times. I really ought to get back in the dating field. One of the last things my wife said was, "I need to be with people again," and it didn't really like it. Didn't go anywhere. It didn't mean anything. It just was like, "Oh wow, this this really hot actress wants the president because he's just so." It's just another way. Like it, it's. You'd think that like Bill Clinton having been the most powerful man in the world, being a multi multi-millionaire and a, like a kingpin in every respect, wouldn't need like this weird self-insert fan fiction. And yet here we are. God, uh, it's so so bizarre. So okay, so um you back up a bit, right? So it flashes back to where he met his wife, right? To to establish, you know, how important his wife was to him. You know, the point in their lives where they met. They met in law school, of course. Yeah. Um she he, I can't remember precisely whether he hadn't done the reading or whether he just, you know, um, he had dip in his mouth. Oh, oh uh, yes, he, and he wasn't paying attention. Here's the thing: this book really likes his fucking product placement. He yep. loves Copenhagen uh, tobacco. Big fan, yeah, big fan big of fan. Copenhagen. Mm -hmm. Yep. So advertiser. He, he uh he meets his he meets his wife in law school after he blows a question and she proceeds to uh to uh, get it get it right. Um, he. And reads her a poem. It's so, it, it's this, uh, he, he goes up to her in front of her friends in the library while they're studying. And he, yeah, he reads her a poem. It's this weird, like mutually like humiliating ritual that I can only assume is going to die with the boomers. Like, cause I can't imagine a real person doing this shit, let alone it working. It's, it's like, 
I'm not. Yeah, I, I don't even I don't even know what to say about this thing. Like it's 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 just a weird it's another scene that it's like, what what are what are we doing this for? Because it doesn't really inform us on the character because like we're not really learning anything about the president here because the president is just like good guy. Like well, he's not know, really got much to him. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, well, no, no, but you're absolutely right. Like it's it's in that it's in that vein. Right. It's supposed to it's supposed to be like, oh, you know, this guy's this guy's endearing and he's uh, and he he's willing to humble himself, you know. But I, I mean, here, do listeners just uh, I mean, don't actually try this, but just try this, you know, write a poem. And then just go up to somebody that you like and uh, and read it in front of them. Um, do it in a in a place where you're uh, expected to be quiet too. Perhaps a funeral. You yeah, know? yeah. And, and then at the end, notably, do an Elvis impression and say thank you very much, and then walk away. Yeah, and you know, credit well, where it's you know to be to be fair, like uh, Elvis is back in the public consciousness with the movie now. But you know, <laughs> I mean, it just just really just really deeply bizarre. Um, but not as bizarre as his rendezvous with his wife's friend. Of course, his wife's yeah. dead by that point. And, Where, you know, and he gets up next door and he says, the smell of a woman. This, uh, yes, the smell of, yeah, you know, that uh, that familiar woman smell. We know, you we're, know. You know what we're talking about. Woman smell, famous. I mean, you know, y'all know what we're like talking vanilla. about. And, uh, and perhaps you can explain it to us because we sure don't. Yeah. <laughs> but uh-huh. yes, so, you know, um, Amanda Braidwood is this actress's we're, we're name. Alpha is like this guy. Yeah, yeah, not Sigmas, clearly. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, she she's she's wearing the perfume that his dead wife wore. Um, <laughs> they're ca- they're catching up, um, and he's meeting her by the way because she's um, she's uh, disguising him, you know, the, with the you know with the Clark Kent sort of uh, disguise where you change like small uh, things about yourself that actually punch well above their weight in terms of how much they disguise you. Like she changes his eyebrows, I think. Yeah, um, and he grows out a goatee. She uh, she casually mentions that she was sexually harassed on uh, the set of her last film that she acted in, which is a bizarre fucking thing to gloss over. Yeah, um, just like a thing to decide to put in there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, well, Bill Clinton's known for glossing over sexual harassment, though. So. Oh, indeed. Indeed. You know, right. Yeah. What you know, again. Uh-huh. But yes. Yeah, so it's she's got his dead wife's perfume and she mentions, you know, that uh, that she's aware that uh, um the wife conf- confided uh, to her that, uh, look, you know, if my if I die from uh, this uh, horrible disease that I have, I don't want my husband to um, to uh, keep holding a torch for me out of out of some misplaced sense of loyalty. That's the phrase that she uses. By the way, this character is never seen again. <laughs> yeah, just like just worth noting that the president hangs out with hot babes, I guess. I don't know, like very weird. Very weird. Like, I can't think of any other reason that she's in the novel. Like, she doesn't. Oh, my God. Like, I thought she would. There would be something like she would get kidnapped or or, or something. No, just just like if you read a synopsis of the book, like uh, which I did because I was like trying to remember what the hell I read. Uh, she's not even mentioned and like for good reason, because you don't. Well, for what purpose? Yeah. Yeah. And then it gets oh God. And then it gets back to chapter 19. Chapter 19 is uh, after he's all dressed up, right? You know, he's incognito mm-hmm. and he's going to visit his daughter uh, at a at a bar that they've agreed to rendezvous at. The president's daughter? The, you know, let's not jump to conclusions. <laughs> but yes, no. So it's, it's chapter 19 is the first sort of uh, extended musing bit, uh, as I like to think of it as, um, where the president just 
talks directly to the screen about uh, politics and uh, you know what he what he thinks of it and uh, his and his position in all this as you know the most powerful man in the country. Um, you know, he helps a homeless uh, Gulf War veteran, which you know, in isolation, nice thing to do. But I mean, when you're president of a country with more housing than homeless people, and that country still has homeless people, it's I mean, it's it just reads like buying an indulgence. Mm-hmm. Um, he witnesses police apprehending an unarmed black man whom he describes variously as a man and a kid, which is the sort of ambiguity that people use to justify the use of disproportionate and brutal and illegal force. Um, and he does a whole thing where he's like, they're probably good cops. 99% of them are, but it's just the, the, the weird, just the weird, like, just, it, it's just like weird him walking around doing centrisms. It's, it's very strange. Yeah. It's very yeah. strange indeed. Yeah. I will say, I think chapter eight is the first time I would say that he does the talk at the screen thing where when he, he does, does his bit on the free press. About? The free oh press. yes god I, we can't I survive without a free press dedicated to preserving the fine lines secure enough to follow the facts where they lead uh, and then it goes on and on but like it you was, know i get that part you're noting there is probably the second most odious part in the book though and uh, dear listeners i will end. i will gloss over many a thing because again this this prose like i would call it pedestrian if i thought it had any legs at all with which to walk you know there it's, we go it's 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 eminently glossable eminently skimmable like it's it's um, when it's memorable, it's memorable for the wrong reasons, or are they the right reasons? We'll see. We'll it's see. worth noting that, like, also the book will pause to do this, right? He will be in the middle of like a conversation or a scene, and then it will just stop and it will be like, and I'm quoting this some days my side isn't much better. Participation in our democracy seems to be driven by instant gratification. Worlds of Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, and the 24-hour news cycle. We're using modern technology to revert to primitive kinds of human relations. The media knows what sells. Conflict and division. This goes on for paragraphs before it gets back to the president doing things. I'm like, literally have to scroll to get back to where, to plot. Like, it just skipping paragraphs and it's just going scholars call this false equivalency it means that when you find a mountain to expose one person or party you have to pick a molehill on the other. it like it is just lecturing you in this embarrassing way it's patterson trying to so do bad. hugo and failing it's so bad and it's like also not making good points either mm-hmm. like it would be bad if it was making good points but it's not it's making mm-hmm. stupid points um, like maybe some of it's true, but like in the context in which it's delivered, it's moronic. Uh, yeah. So anyway, you can go on with the plot, but I'm just like, I feel like that's important for context of like, even it's like it can be interrupted at any moment by a diatribe to make you either feel bad or feel like you're a good person for reading it. I would and, literally rather yeah. read the part of of Les Miserables again, where Victor Hugo digresses from the story for 28 pages about like the the the, the Parisian sewers. Cause at least he at least he manages to make that interesting. Yeah, it goes somewhere, you know, there's something there's something about it. This is just oh my God. And also I will say like the prose itself is like is pretty pretty tiresome as well. But like um but the fact that it can divert at any moment into like basically like a politico opinion piece yeah. is is really just a it's uniquely evil. Anyway, baseball yeah, so game, right? He, yeah, yeah. He he goes to and this this stood out as pretty funny to me. So he drives from one uh paid parking space to another. You know, he stresses the fact that you know he pays for parking at the bar, he pays for parking in the uh in the Mets v Nationals game. You know, so this book is unintentionally making the case for public transit. A. There you go. 
but then he 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 goes to the baseball game as you say and he uh i i uh i i lifted the sentence directly from the uh from the narrative here uh i'd grab a budweiser and a hot dog you can shelve all those micro brews at a ball game there is no finer beverage than an ice cold bud <laughs> truly truly just not even hiding it go to hell james patterson with this he's an advertiser he's an advertiser for life you know like it's it's it must be a reflex truly uh, you know? if it was a bud light then i'd be worried but mm -hmm. no, i'm just kidding and around if you're listening to this around the time this is apparently still a controversy i'm sure i'm sure i'll develop similar reflexes once i uh once i uh write enough furry porn yeah there you go um yeah so he meets with uh augie right uh, at Augie, yes, uh, at the ballpark, who's like this nervous Eastern European guy. Um, yes, Augustus Koslenko is his full good, name. Good name. It's a solid name. Mm -hmm. And Augie is, uh, you know, like we said before, he was one of the two terrorist computer hackers. Very smart guy, and he's here at the game, and he's very, you know, nervous and twitchy, and he's here to meet with the president to talk about, well, how can we shut this thing down? And he's like, I'm going to get you to a different location. And you have this back and forth where the president's like threatening him, um, even though Augie has a gun on him for a minute. And then they're like going outside. And that's when the assassins strike. But the real target is not is not the president. Primarily, it's uh, Augie and um, and uh, his partner, the the woman. What's her name? Um, um, uh, Nina. 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 He just get ice. He, she just get ice right away. Yeah. Bach just takes her takes her out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bach, who we find out by this time is pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Bach, who is pregnant. Absolutely. Coolest mom in the world. There you go. Yeah. Now, you know, we can get we can get like a Bach miniseries out of this. Maybe we'll have something. I, uh, I thought so at first. You know, she was she was the only like mildly interesting character in the entire book to me. Yeah, but like also like she kind of sucks. Like she's not interesting either. Oh, I, like, I mean, yes, yes. You it's, know, it's 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 the it's the tallest dwarf, truly. Yeah, it's it, there's not there's not much to like there's not much to her. She's a femme fatale who listens to to Bach, and she calls herself Bach. This this <laughs> this, by the way, like it really gets into the um, it really gets into the element of the book that I found very excruciating here, which is the pacing. Because uh -huh. there, it's the point in my notes where I just start where my notes just started being like four words long, you know, and um, and uh, the the chapter breaks are fast and they are hard and there are several of them like within the same scene within mm -hmm. the same conversation like not stylistically interesting no, either yes, like yes, not yes. like some kind of interesting game with form just like yeah cut it there <laughs> yeah there's like there's like uh it's edited one, like an episode of shark tank this one scene from from getting to the uh from getting to the ball game uh to having the conversation with augie to something fucking happening is like 11 or 12 chapters mm -hmm. god it's i was it's, saying it's like edited like shark tank or another reality show where there's just so many cuts for fake tension oh, like yeah. that that is a that is a thing and like you that's a more effective it's a cheap tool when you do it visually but it is more effective visually when you it's do it the, in a book, it works like the first two times. It's the literary equivalent, truly, of that scene from I think it was one of the Taken films where Liam Neeson's like jumping over a fence, and of course he's old, so like it has to cut like thirty times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's it's very rough, and then like yeah, but then you have this like whole moment where there's like the lights go out and there's a shootout, 
And then, of course, you have President Rambo fight off these like the greatest trained assassins that money oh, yes. buy. Yes, he returns fire, doesn't he? He shoots two of them while suffering from he's like his blood count is like low and he's still like fighting them off. It, it's it's, you know, doing its whole like silly thing. Like, again, I couldn't like this. It reads like a parody, but it's not. You're supposed to take it seriously. But he's like shooting back and he's like, I've never shot a Glock before. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like driving a car. But uh, what was it? He's like, it's like driving a car. It's basically the same, but you got to get to know it's individual. And it's like, oh, man, leave me alone. <laughs> like, this is so bad. And, and then it has this, like, it has this chase scene. Like, they, they the, the Secret Service shows up because they followed him against his will, um, but they save his life. And then there's this, like, cold chase scene, and there's, like, a gunfight, and a couple Secret Service agents die, and it makes you, like, do a whole thing where it's like hats off. They had families like it did this. It, it has to like multiple times through the book call back to that. Um, yes. There's this, there's this whole amusing on the, um, on the, 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 the secret service and how, you know, like um, they do all their best work in the dark and, you know, nobody ever hears about their, uh, them doing their uh, job, right. You know, only when it goes wrong, this by the way is, is, um, is in the wake of, uh, Many, many, many scandals involving the Secret Service. You got drunk driving, you got prostitution, you got uh, like grievous security lapses, you got child sexual exploitation scandals. I will um, say, Bill Clinton probably does. I mean, like, Bill Clinton was his life was saved for, by the Secret Service from that one assassination attempt on him. I forget where it was, but it was like a pretty close to effective assassination. Oh, the Philippines in 1996, uh, oh, wow. Al Qaeda tried to kill him, and uh, uh, God was it was it remained a secret for a while, but uh yeah, Al Qaeda tried to take him out in the Philippines in '96, and yeah. uh, he survived. And Secret Service is credited with saving him. So like, maybe it's Bill trying to do his due diligence. Like, hey, these guys saved my life, and it was a secret, and it was a secret for many years. The attack happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, my best guess is that's like some kind of callback to that. Like, they do their best work in the dark, and nobody knows when they do a good job. Uh, I- I'm gonna. I'm again, and like, but it, it really does. It, it goes back to it's a very like respecting the troops, respecting the police kind of stuff, like, which is like, you know, whatever. That's like standard fare for this kind of thing. But like, it like really wants you to like be really sad about these two guys getting shot that we like didn't know the names of, um, and like feel the moral weight and responsibility and like some kind of, it, it, and it's in it, a. I don't think we even so, get first names. Yeah, I don't think so. In a like subpar gunfight scene, like it's just, and then the president drives an armored car away from the scene. It's like burning on the back. Uh, the president who hasn't driven a car in years, by the way. Oh yeah, he did talk about that. Just, I mean, it's like I, I just kept like reading this part, like okay, 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 like I the action. It's like you'd think the action scene would be like a break from the monotony and it's just sim- it simply isn't it's it's very foggy yeah it's hard to visualize but again not in an interesting way not in fog yeah. of war kind of way like no yeah the viscerality of it is totally not there yeah it's just it's just nothing it's it's like it reads a little bit like they thought they were going to get a film adaptation which they didn't there was a failed film adaptation mm-hmm. it it reads like script notes that went way too long I, I I don't really know how else to put it. There's just not there's just not much here. Mm-hmm. And 
Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 not it's not a terribly interesting. Um, even when something does happen, right? It's there's not a whole lot happening, right? Mm-hmm. So so they go. There's this truck attack that they fend off on uh, on a bridge. Um, they go to the blue house. The blue house, yes, where lives um, uh, Carolyn Brock and her husband, mm-hmm. uh, Greg Morty Morton. Morty is. I'm glad he's described as a baritone specifically because otherwise, you know, I would constantly <laughs> in my head be hearing, "Oh, geez, Mr. President." That, you know, that would have been actually interesting. Morty, Morty, we 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 gotta we gotta figure out this uh, the the cyber terrorism. Morty, they're <laughs> they're, they're Turkish, but they're, they're not um they're not they're not uh, uh they're secular terrorists. Morty, don't be Islamophobic. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's not bad. Yeah. It's solid. It, if you can do one, you can do the other. Hey, I hear <laughs> I, I I hear they need a new uh, voice actor. So oh, truly, that truly, show. yes, dating uh, ourselves here. Uh-huh. Um. <laughs> Calling so yes yes he's calling Carolyn now from the Blue House's uh, situation room. Um, we get our first proper look at uh, uh, FBI Director uh, Liz Greenfield, um, which uh, truly like in that again in that um, sort of in that sort of uh, tone deafness that you that you really only see in this sort of book. Um, the FBI director is black, which mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and it makes to... note of it too. Like it makes note of it as like a, a political accomplishment of his for appointing. Yes. Her. Yes. You know, no, 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 no dwelling at all on, you know, the, the role of the FBI in uh, infiltrating and, and uh, disrupting the black liberation movement in this country. You know, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's, you're taking a box, you're taking a box, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, it's... and, and it's like really proud of itself. It's just, it's so, it's so weird. And, uh, just the way, and again, she's like a non-character too. It, it's like no, no one in this book is like particularly interesting, but like it just you felt like you said ticking a box. Like I do genuinely think they had like a spreadsheet in front of them. Like I, I they're just trying to like get through things. It it feels it, it, it's this part of the book too is like where I really like had a lot of trouble continuing to read it. Not because it necessarily worse. But like I just was like so burnt out on this book when I got to like the blue house and everything after it. Like so like it it, it just like I think my brain was like melting more and more. Like I think the last thing I remember like super clearly is the last thing I felt like I was paying really close attention to. But like I not not to say that I didn't read the rest, but it's just like, man, it, it really like it just at this point you have really been just beaten over the head with whatever this is supposed to be. Yes, yes. And, you know, again, speaking of non-characters, you know, here comes uh, here comes a meeting with David Goralnik. Yeah, who everyone's is, favorite guy. Yes, the director of Mossad, everybody's favorite guy. And that's where we got... <laughs> My favorite scene. Yes, and that's where we get our first proper ID on, uh, on uh, Augie, his full name, Augustus Koslenko. He's 22 years old. He's from uh, Donetsk, which is a real happening place at time of, uh, at time of recording. Mm-hmm. Um... He's a math genius. He went to boarding school in Turkey. He somehow got radicalized there. It's your favorite scene, you say? Uh yeah. It, it, it's very, it's it's very funny to me. Um, uh, because they're sitting when they're sitting around like trying to figure out who's like doing the terrorism. Um, the uh, it, it's uh, where where it says David Garalnik. The director of Israel's Institute for Intelligence and Special Operations, Mossad, takes a deep breath. For dramatic measure, the screen cuts in and out before his face becomes clear again. Our best guess is Russia, he says. 
Right. And it's and then the chapter ends. And I think that like sums up the like action part of this book the best, like the thriller side of this political thriller. Um, it's just all like that. And it's just like in it it really like expects the it 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 already knows its audience. Like we said, James Patterson yes. knows his audience and he knows it's 2018. It's a 2018 liberal. They hear Russia and they just basically faint. The height of Russiagate hysteria, yes. truly. Which the book directly references, even though it doesn't make sense historically, because this is a timeline where Donald Trump was not elected president. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, that'll. And it's not really important, but like it is like a thing. It just it's again, checking boxes, but it's just like our best guess is Russia. And we're all supposed to just like absolutely lose our minds. Like as like, at like Thanos showing up at the end credit scene of the Avengers, uh, the bad guy emerging from the shadows as if it was ever not going to be Russia. Like I'm, mm. <laughs> as if it was ever not going to be Russia or China, they were the yeah. only two bad guys. It could have been if there was a state actor, like it's, yeah. it's, uh, with like some terrorist go-betweens, it was always going to be that. Anyone who thought otherwise wasn't paying attention, hasn't made it. Like it doesn't. This is just if they have one playbook, and this is how they write things. It's not. It's not interesting. It's not meaningful. Um, and it's not true. Like they are really like just trying to create this narrative of like being besieged in a way that is just like counterfactual. Like it it's even throws truly. in like, oh, China was actually trying to cause a uh, gas explosions in 2011. Just like just making stuff up it's throughout this entire book. Truly, like you know, you're, it's your classic, it's your classic reactionary thinking that you're, as you say, besieged on all sides by these implacable enemies that are simultaneously, you know, backwards, degenerates, you know, any any number of um, you know any number of bad names, um, and yes one false move and they'll overrun you yes uh the hordes the mongolian hordes or whatever weird thing they're gonna use like whatever weird like whatever weird thing today they're gonna use to compare like russia to because i remember them doing that if like last year like getting like weirdly specific with their like mongol comparison and genghis khan and stuff i'm I'm referencing that like time magazine article but uh really bad but like that it is really what they do. It, it, it and, and honestly, like I can draw it a little more later, but there are like some direct parallels here to Left Behind, pretty obviously. Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. You pointed it out in the text. I mean, like they somehow horseshoe theory their way. Horseshoe theory, dumb as it is, uh, coming through here when it's liberals and conservatives because uh, fundamentally they're the same in a lot of ways. Um, uh, but, but I was joking, true horseshoe theory is them coming to the same conclusions that uh, Russia and Islamic terrorists are in cahoots because reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's funny that both these books have that same premise and have about the same amount of depth as the reasoning for like this attack, which is just because they're bad guys. And I'm glad um, you pointed yeah. out the the the. Um... I'm glad you pointed out the shallowness of the uh, of the reasoning here, you know, that mm-hmm. goes into this conspiracy because they're trying to puzzle out who exactly the um, we didn't even mention the name of the um, terrorist group. They're called the Sons of Jihad. Yeah, the Sons, the sons of Jihad. The Sons of Jihad. You know, this this despite the fact that um, this despite the fact that Chindorak is described as, you know, explicitly a secular uh, dude. You know, they have this they have this, um, you, know, you know, religious in nature. Um, 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 you know, name it's anyway, like, so they, they, they determine, they determine, you know, that, uh, you know, they don't know for sure that it's Russia, 
but there has to be a state actor behind them right because well these people uh these people hired mercenaries to uh to ambush us right to destroy these uh hackers that we've that we've gotten in contact with but uh the sons of jihad you know they didn't have the resources to to hire mercenaries there had to have been a state actor behind them yeah like so or maybe I mean, like a, or maybe just like everybody we don't like maybe well, they really all did this it. really this jacob they can they can hire hackers that can destroy a country but not mercenaries that can carry out a hit no it's impossible it's a very specific level of of uh, wealth that we're dealing with well they've they've fully got cryptocurrency uh truly truly uh, yes. or they've only got like well what is it uh you spend in Fortnite v bucks maybe Oh, so maybe yeah. like you were maybe it's like a situation where uh the 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 two eastern european um characters again i forget their name augie and uh nina, nina uh the two the two ukrainian characters um are we are they explicitly ukrainian so augie is ukrainian nina is georgian and that becomes right. very important yeah that becomes uh, very important for the, reasons the, the these characters are um yeah, they're getting paid in V bucks. That's why they're able to be like it's an absurd amount of V bucks, but it, or, or Robux maybe if they really were like trying to get the best work done. Maybe like they were paid one week and then the fucking cryptocurrency was um, created in value the next week when they yeah, had to after, hire the mercenaries. Yeah, the week after Bill Clinton sold all, all his all his Bitcoin after going to a Bitcoin conference in the Caribbean with Sam Bankman Fried. Really? Yes. Yes. Well, those are those are the strings that you need to pull in this uh, in this workaday world in your uh, in your workaday position as uh, as uh, most powerful man on the planet. Yeah, just like normal stuff, you know. That's the uh, other thing that gets me about this book. Like, it's, I mean, video games do the president protagonist thing really well because they tend to lean into the inherent silliness of it. Like Saints mm-hmm. Row Four, you know, you're fighting aliens and demons, you know, like uh, Metal Wolf Chaos, right? It's a fucking like oh, giant love, robot game. I love that. Yes, but like, Art. but. You're not the Jonathan Lincoln Duncan is not the underdog. You know, he has access to the full, you know, um, the full uh, arsenal of the U.S. military. He is the commander in chief. He can call helicopters with the snap of a finger. But he might get impeached. I guess we're supposed to. And because of his blood sickness, I guess that's like supposed to be the things that like level him out. Yeah. But it doesn't function that way. Yeah. It's it's he's he's somebody who is just impossible to humanize. Try as Patterson might. Right. Every attempt to humanize them just makes the author feel like they don't know the, the authors feel like they don't know what a human is like, um, which like and D, I would expect more maybe out of Patterson. Maybe I, I understand Bill Clinton not knowing what a human is mm-hmm. um, like uh, uh, one thing I was going to note, like also like villain motivations, like you can do a pro America anti Russia thing with like a fairly competent, like still villain, like like like. I don't know, like the movie Air Force One does a is a pretty good Amer- pro America movie with a good Russian villain. Like I, 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 like I was thinking about Air Force One as like an example, but it's not even able to do the like, do the like, oh, you hollowed out my country thing. Like it's not even able to throw that out as this like critique. Like any critique of the United States in this book has to either be completely hollow on its face or has to be like immediately slapped down. Or at the very least has to be like a thing we're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't have like any ambiguity, any like like the book thinks it's morally ambu- ambiguous because it has scenes like the drone strike scene, God. because it has scenes like the police doing bad things. But it doesn't have moral ambiguity because like it, it still is presenting the U.S. as like 
the greatest of all goods, and it's still presenting every other alternative as pure anarchy. In fact, the president in his final speech says we were saved from anarchy by mere moments, anarchy in the streets. Uh, it's uh, like so also presenting uh, one's own people as like these hordes as well. It's not just the people outside the country, but also uh, the masses of the people inside the country who are bad as well. Yes. Uh, it's, yes. The mentality is just deeply diseased. Like, I don't know. I know that's not materialist, but it is just deeply diseased. Well, yes. You know, and, 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 and it, it returns in the pros uh, now and again to the orders that the president has in place, the orders that he's drawn up for, you know, instituting price controls, declaring martial law, suspending the writ of habeas corpus. You know, he has all these contingencies in place for the impending uh, techno apocalypse that's going to sweep the nation, you know, and that's, it's, this is what really gets me. I mentioned this to you earlier, you know, the, the, for a techno thriller, you know, for a genre that demands um, imagination and creativity, there's a remarkable lack of imagination on display here because of all the crises sweeping the nation, this is what the president is prepared for. You know, the apocalypse, you know, something existentially uh, existentially threatening, not, you know, anything quotidian, not anything immediately uh, threatening like homelessness or, uh, or, you know, God forbid, a pandemic, perhaps, you know. It's it's he's he's preparing for the for the um, wholesale collapse of this um, of this system that uh, that that he's that he's uh, the the, the um, um, you know, that he's the executive of. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the villain or purportedly the villain, what the text leads us to believe is the villain, who the text leads us to believe is the villain is his vice president, Catherine mm-hmm. Brandt, who we cut away every so often to her um, to her fuming about um, about uh, being the president's uh, runner up. Right. And uh, practicing at one point her uh, her swearing in speech um, if and when the president is uh, is um, uh, permanently uh, abducted or perhaps even killed. Right. You think he stole that from like Hillary like she does that in the mirror every morning, like pretends like she's becoming president. There's a couple of different Hillarys in the text, really. It's a it's a host of Hillarys, no yes, doubt. Yes, you know, and it, and it's interesting, like like you know, Brandt, because the president, because the because President Duncan is remarkably is remarkably magnanimous. The book would have us believe, you know, he 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 bring he gives Catherine Brandt, his vice president, a seat at the table in terms of like decision making and entrusts her with all these these um these classified uh, i mean she knows about dark ages right she's basically the anti kamala in terms of what she gets to know and do yeah exactly yes i was actually thinking that exact same thing like she's like she's she's in the loop you know mm-hmm. she's not really his number 2 but like she is more important than i'd say your your average vice president is to an administration yes, yes. and so this is where it gets to the i mean this is where it gets to the really i mean there's basically two action sequences in this book, right? There's the um, there's the battle at the uh, the um, um, the stadium. That's the word. Stadium, I'm and then getting chased. Yeah. There's the battle of the stadium and the chase uh, subsequently, right? And then there's the um, the battle in the forest that comes uh, much later, toward the end of the book, right? And between that, between the two, there's the whole um, there's the most boring um, plotting mystery 
in the world mm-hmm. where you know they're they're, they're, they're getting yeah, they're, they're getting to the bottom of this uh this like techno mystery um at one point a um as sort of a prelude to all this uh a defense department contractor's drone factory explodes in los angeles based um mm-hmm. it's that thing that uh, they think is the chinese right they ask the most obvious question in the entire book why would they want to blow up a defense contractor's airplane plant I wonder. I fucking wonder, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's just they. They're. I mean, like, it, it does like to a to an extent like reveal their own like, like just the thing that they're just like most obvious blind spots. Yes. Like to me, like that was one of the most baffling lines in the entire book. I'm glad you reminded me of that because I had forgotten of them just like not even really even being able to register like why anyone would have have it out for like a defense contractor. Right. Like. Uh, uh, like in and and the books like even a book that has already addressed drone strikes notably uh wild just just really yeah drone strikes wild. and of course you know even even leaving aside the um even leaving aside the um you know the destruction that these merchants of death are responsible for the world over you know i mean this is one of my favorite statistics you know favorite in quotes right since 9/11 half Fully half of all defense spending has gone to private uh, defense contractors. Hundreds of billions of dollars each year just shoveled into the pockets of you know people whose job it is to make and to uh, write articles in the Washington Post, for example, in which Lockheed Martin is a uh, shareholder. Um, just writing all you know, manufacturing consent for you know the continued uh, for the continued um, uh, project of endless war. I mean, I, I mean. This this particular line really clinches it for me. Anyone sitting on a couch in his underwear could undermine the security of a nation, right? When they're discussing uh, the the hacking that leads to this uh, gas explosion, right? Um, I mean, this is the great oversimplification oversimplification that they sell us to manufacture consent for the expansion of the national security, the national defense state, right? The idea that an entire state apparatus can be taken down by one sufficiently ambitious nerd. And the only thing stopping them is rampant defense spending, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you, you see the same thing about, you see the same hand-wringing about, like, AI from, um, you know, the idea that, um, that um, oh, you know, our information hygiene is forever compromised by by the democratization of news, by the loss of trust in our media, as uh, the president mused on earlier, uh, by sophisticated writing tools that can generate uh, whole narratives in the in the snap of a finger, you know? And that paranoia somehow never scales up to state actors, right? right? Peddling influence on a national, on an even global scale. And when it does, they're only afraid of Russia and China. Yeah, and and, and it's also like a situation where the happily ever after of this book, the main part of it is, and then we like really overhauled our cybersecurity systems. Oh, yeah. And, and like, and everyone's supposed to be like t- breathing a deep sigh of relief, like collective mm-hmm. sigh of relief. Uh, it's, it's, it's wild and it's um it's it's just genuinely like that that is you know this idea of like how unstable our our republic is you know the classic benjamin franklin uh, i've given you a republic if you can keep it kind of thing <laughs> but like but also like yeah so this narrative that like oh it's so fragile one guy can destroy it but also like okay so why even why even bother or or you know why even why bother uh, doing? Why are you pissing off so many of these one guys who could bring it down? Because like, but for the, uh, but for the good graces of this, like, just you know, uh, 
uh, well-meaning duo of former terrorists, uh, so goes the United States. Um, it, 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 it's really like, say, and you know, of course, it's a great man of history on steroids, but like, uh, it, it, it is, it is like, um, I, I keep trying to like come up with like analogies and points, but it is really just when I'm like looking at this, I'm like, this is really like just all there is. Like, this is all there is like behind like their heads. Like, I think they really believe this shit. Like, mm-hmm. they really buy this shit and it's baffling. And like, millions of like, not maybe not millions of people buy it, but like millions of people are bought into a system of the that is like liberalism that like functions with this kind of thinking as its primary ideology that's going to like lead us into the light. And like, no matter how well meaning, like, this is all there is, this is the core of it. It is completely hollow, competent or incompetent, good or bad. Bill Clinton or Joe Biden or Barack Obama or whoever, it is just the 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 monologues of this book really are just like the ethos at the center of this like ideology. And if you can even get through reading this book, like you should be able to like punch it full of holes without even hat like with with its own internal logic, without even like referencing outside scenarios and when you of course reference outside scenarios it becomes immediately laughable i I really am like yeah i'm 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 mad about this book this book is this book really i told you i want to get the i would i I would i would get the flu again before i i read this uh read this book again like this is just oh my god i would have thrown it across the room had i not been reading it on my phone okay so we're almost halfway through the book and (laughs) they go take Yes. Sorry, turn into the Joker for a second. Yes, I hope I hope y'all are buckled in, people, because oh god. Hey, thank you for listening to part one of our discussion on the president is missing. Did I say that okay? Um, yeah, if you like that, go listen to some more episodes. Go tell your friends about it. Follow us on Twitter if you know if, if you're still clinging to the uh, life raft that is that website at Socialist Shelf, or shoot us an email to socialistshelf at gmail.com. You know, we're we're, uh, we're happy to hear from you. We're happy to hear from you. But most of all, you know, just just let some folks know about it. And you know, even beyond that, you know, go go read a book, a better book than this, but go read a go read a good book, and then and then tell us to talk about it. You know, say you know, read read um. You, you'll, you'll tell me. You'll tell me. Tell us what we're reading next. I really appreciate all of y'all, and y'all have a lovely day.